You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. It is uh, great to be here. Let's show some more appreciation for that choir. Was that not a piece? I was almost thinking that was so good I could just say amen, that was a sermon, but, you know, I got stuff to say, so. Let's show some appreciation also for the good staff at Switzer, for your lead pastor, uh, Bob Cassidy, and the good work that they do. Appreciate that. Uh, Bob and I have been friends for a very long time. It's a pretty unique thing in our system that a bishop gets elected and stays home, so we know each other. And I've always admired his ministry uh, wherever he's been and the good work that's been going on at Schweitzer. I bring greetings from the other 800 United Methodist churches from across uh, our connection in the great state of Missouri. And they're in mission with you. And, and the first thing I'm going to say is your bishop. It's a privilege to be the bishop of the state of Missouri. Privilege to be your bishop and to say thank you for your good work. Uh, thank you for your missional support that you are one of the leaders of our conference to make a difference in our missional giving and you help lead other people in that direction and I want you if you don't hear anything I say today I don't have a big word for that other than I think it's important to hear thank you because I know it's something you don't have to do and you often don't hear it and I get the privilege of seeing where some of that goes and and some of you don't get that privilege of seeing the great work that we're we do together that we can't do separately by ourselves and so I just want you to know how much I appreciate and the good work of the Schweitzer Church and uh, that you've always done that you're now doing uh, that helps other churches follow your example across the state of Missouri. I invite you to get your Bibles out if you brought them. Methodists used to bring their Bibles. Hope you brought them. It's up all on the screen as well. I'm going to be reading out of the message version uh, of the Bible. And I'm going to read a story out of Genesis 28 beginning with verse 12. And I have a confession right off the bat is not one of my favorite stories. It's a story I really hadn't read very much. Bob probably reads it every day or so, all through the but it's just not one I, he's probably not like this. I just have some parts of the Bible I don't like to read. Can I get any witnesses? You don't have to raise your hands. Um, are you like that? So, but this one, I happened to stumble across it earlier in the year and it just got my attention. You know, sometimes you re, you've read something before and you go, and then you read it again and it catches you. And this is one of those that catch me. It's a really kind of strange passage. Uh, verse 10, hear these words. Jacob blessed uh, Sherbiah, I can't even say that, and went to Haran. He came to a certain place and camped for the night since the sun had set. He took one of the stones there and set it under his head and laid down to sleep, and he had a dream. Now, this is a really strange dream. I think the reason he had a strange dream was he laid down on a rock. Now, if I was giving him some advice about how to go camping, this is not how you do it. I like to go camping, but I like to take my 40-foot trailer with me, uh, not lay down on a rock. So uh, it may explain the strange dream that Jacob, that Jacob actually has here. So the Bible says he dreamed that a stairway was set on the ground. It reached all the way up to the sky. Angels of God were going up and down it. Then God was right in front of Jacob saying, I am God, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. I'm giving you the ground on which you are sleeping to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as the dust of the earth, and they'll stretch from west to east and from north to south. 
and all of the families on earth will bless themselves in you and your descendants. Now, friends, none of that part of the dream is new news or ought not be new news to Jacob. This is the kind of the family promise. This is the covenant that God has outlaid a couple of times over already a couple of hundred years in the book of Genesis. This is something that Jacob should have. This is like if you grew up in St. Louis, all you can talk about is how the Royals stole the World Series in 85. I mean, they, they're trained on this since birth. That's, uh, it's not true, but they're trained on it since birth. Just helping your pastor out a little bit. That's what this is to Jacob. I mean, he would have been repeated this in his head from the moment he was birthed. This news that God was going to use their family to bless the earth. And the very ground that it's in. So it's kind of... You should know this, Jacob, kind of stuff. And then he goes on in the dream. God says, I'll stay with you. I'll protect you wherever you go. I'll bring you back to this very grant. I will stick with you until I've done everything that I've promised. I want you to hear who's doing the talking here. I is God. I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to do everything I promised through you. Now, it's good for Jacob to hear that because Jacob didn't have the best record of following through on things. Jacob was a, didn't, wasn't a straight arrow all the time. He had a little trouble staying connected with God. So this is God reminding Jacob, no matter what you do, I, God, am going to carry out my promises. That should be good news to most of us. That God is going to carry out God's promises disregard uh, how well we do. And then the very last line, I think this is the key verse. Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, God is in this place, truly, and I didn't even know it. Can you say that line with me? God is in this place, truly, and I didn't even know it. Man, isn't that a shame? Maybe you've had moments like that in your life where you woke up from something or you're in the midst of something and you didn't realize that God was already in the midst of that and you were wandering as though you were all on your own and you woke up and you went, God was in this place and I didn't even know it. It is a strange dream that Jacob has. It's a dream that goes backwards a little bit and helps retell his past, but it's also a dream where God is showing God's hand. For Jacob's future. And the key to me in this whole thing is how sad it would be for any one of us to wake from our life somewhere and have missed that God was truly in this place. Now it all happens to us, all of us, at some point or another where we sleepwalk. Can I get a witness? We sleepwalk through life and we wake up in this incredible moment and go, oh, God was there, and I didn't even see it. Now, I don't know about you, but it's always easier for me to see God in a rearview mirror than it is to see God looking ahead. Can I get a witness? I mean, I can look back over my 40 years uh, and think, whoa, ha, there was God, there was God, there was God. Are you with me? But boy, if you ask me, so what's the next people ask me all the time? Bishop, what's the future look like for the United Methodist Church? What's God telling you? I have no idea. That, I know that's not reassuring. Uh, <laughs> but ask me in five years. 
Because then I can look back and go, oh, there it was. God was truly in the midst of that. Have you got those events in your life that you look back on and go, aha, that's why that went left rather than right or right rather than left. But at the moment, you couldn't have put your finger on it. That's easy, seeing God in the rearview mirror. But Jacob is absolutely amazed in this dream of God's providence of the future. Now, providence means that God has a destiny for each of us, but God does not control every little move we make. We actually have fought wars in America, so people can have a, th- a thing called what? Freedom or free will. We're creating the image of God, and God has free will. That God, I don't know why God did that, gave the human being free will. The human being can make decisions from A to Z, though God knows what Z is. But we have that right to make all those kind of decisions. And we Methodists truly believe in that ability to backslide, to go forward. To We have, well, we're not in charge, but we have control over our life. By the way, there's some of our fellow folks that don't believe that. They think God's got a finger on your head and controls every single move you make. And, and Wesley would say, well, why preach? If it's already all decided. But we're creating God's image. And that's what, that's what Jacob's wrestling with is he's got all these decisions to make. So how do I stay in touch with that destiny? I Wesley believed that God, every one of us has a destiny. Every one of us has a providence that God has got something that, that is your spot. The thing that you need to do, the place that you need to be, but God gives you this ability to get there or not. You ever ask, so how do you perceive the unperceivable? I have trouble with this. I have trouble trusting my GPS, which I can see. I really liked it when I had a Garmin. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It said on my, I can see it now. I've got a Ford and it's actually in the car and uh, it interrupts my music and tells me where I'm supposed to go. I mean, I have a hard time trusting that. I can't see it. How am I supposed to trust something that I don't see? I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if you ever took psychology in, in, um, in college, but I did, and they put up this little image, this is as old as ever, this is as old as your pastor, and um, an image of this woman and girl in psychology, which I didn't do too, much, too well in, and they said, you can see two people there. You remember this? Anybody remember this in college? Now, I just got to confess that I couldn't see two people there. In fact, I even today, even though I put this up several Sundays, I have to look a while and go, where did the other one go? Anybody having trouble with it? Don't raise your hand because I'm having trouble with it this morning for some reason. And I know there's two there. Isn't that something? I know there's two pictures there and I still have trouble seeing it. So how am I supposed to see this God that I can't see? I can't touch. Matthew 13 says, your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see it. And that's me half the time. So how do we stay in love with God? How do we see this unperceivable thing? I'm going to give you some steps from the Apostle Paul this morning, from John Wesley and some of my own. Colossians 3.17 says, Let every detail of your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father for every step of the way. So how do you stay connected to this unseen power? One is see all of life as spiritual. 
Now, I got to confess, I'm a fourth generation Methodist. That is not how I grew up. I grew up that you went up to the spiritual box on Sunday morning, you unlocked it, and you got out the spiritual stuff, and you messed with it for a while, an hour or two, maybe three, if it, somebody really went long, and you played with the spiritual things, and then when you were done, you put it back in the box, and you went back to the rest of your life. Can I get a witness? So I grew, I mean, I'm, I, that's how I grew up. It, it wasn't a, we learned to be nice, we learned to be moral, but if you ask me, did we pray in the morning when we got up at my house? No. Did we pray over lunch? No. Did we pray at night before we went to bed? Did we ever read the Bible in my house? No, because we did all that stuff where? Up at church, that's where you did that stuff. And so every Sunday in Creighton, Missouri, anybody know where Creighton, Missouri is at? It's a really big place on 7 Highway, and it's smaller than it used to be, which is hard to imagine. And uh, all the 300 people, there are 50 people in church there on a good day then, and 47 of them are my relatives. And so my choice on Sunday morning was to either go to the Methodist church or go to the Methodist church or get a spanking. That was the three choices. Can anybody grow up like that? That's how I grew up. So most Sundays, I went to the Methodist church. Some said, well, problem with the spanking problem was you got a spanking, then you still had to go to church. There wasn't a, I thought, well, let's get spanked, stay home. That wasn't the, how that worked. I don't know. So it was a different day in the 70s. But you went up to church. Are anybody with me? And that's where the spiritual stuff was. And then you lived the rest of your life. And the two actually didn't cross over too awful much. Unless, of course, you were in trouble, then you'd pray. Or somebody was sick, you'd pray. Or some disaster. But otherwise, you just sort of lived your life. Anybody with me? And friends, if you want a proven way to be disconnected from God, just work that plan. I went up to the spiritual box and played with the spiritual stuff, put it away, and then here's the rest of my life. Back up to the spiritual box and get it out like you are doing this morning. And you use that stuff for a while, put it all back, and then go back and live the rest of your life. It's no wonder that people say they can't tell the difference between Christians and non-Christians. Because most of us were taught that what was spiritual was up on Sunday morning at the church. In this room we're in, what the Bible teaches us is all of life is spiritual. Your everyday walking, sleeping, worrying, surfing, the internet, all that stuff is spiritual. See, all of life is spiritual if you want to stay connected to God. Step two is take one day at a time. That's an old line, or my way to say that is be in the present. Matthew 6, 34 is one of my favorite verses that I fail at all the time. Give your attention to God, whatever you're doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. Did you hear that? Do I need to repeat that? I think I do. Don't get all worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. That's a hard one, is it not? God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time is right. One day at a time, friends. It's a trite saying that living in the present is true. We want to stay connected with God. Not only do you need to see all of life is spiritual, but you need to live in the moment that God gives you. You cannot recapture yesterday, and well, we spend a lot of time rehearsing yesterday. Let's see, we Methodists, we rehearse yesterday better than almost anything. What was Jacob do rehearsing yesterday? 
and then worrying about what tomorrow's going to bring for all of us, and we worry about that, and the truth is the only present you have is the present you have. That's all you've got. We need to own that and be about that. Step three, remember the day starts with night. This may be the most important tip. Psalm 127.2 says, It's useless to rise early and get, go to bed late and to work your fingers to the bone. Don't you know that God enjoys giving rest to those he loves? Gallup Poll said, took a poll of what's the number one barrier that stands between disciples or Christians and spirituality. What's the number one barrier standing between Christians and spirituality? By the way, you can be Christian and not be spiritual. Do you know that? I have moments like that in my own life. I can be Christian. In fact, I've seen some people Christian that don't act very spiritual. Have you seen that? Maybe you've done it. We all have those moments. So how do I stay, how do I keep spirituality hooked up and Gallup, which is not a religious organization, surveyed a whole bunch of folks and said, so what's stopping you from being more spiritual? And you know what the answer was? Really complicated. What? No, not fear. Fatigue. We were tired. Just tired. So that's the number one thing that stands between us and being spiritual. We're tired. We're fatigued. If Almighty God needed to rest and create the universe one day and created Sabbath and rest, how do we human beings think we don't need any rest or don't need any Sabbath? Where is your Sabbath? You don't hear anything in this sermon but this. Where is your Sabbath, friends? We're in a world that doesn't believe in Sabbath. Can I get an amen? We're in a world that believes uh, it ought to be connected up all time, 24-7, work 24-7. It's right here, right? It's all right here, 24-7. Supposed to be, we're supposed to have more convenience than anybody in the world. And what are we doing? We're tired. In fact, the new normal today, when I go up and say to somebody, how are you doing? Used to be, they would say, I'm fine for feelings I'm not going to express. Now they say to me, you know what the common response back, if you're in the culture? How are you doing? I am, she got it, I am busy. You want to fool somebody, have them come up to you, how are you doing? Say, Man, I'm having the most restful day of the week. They'll, they'll dial 911. They'll think there's something wrong with you. Bob, you've been in the cabinet, right? Seven years back. Last, last year when we were doing a cabinet, we were pretty busy last year, and I had a DS say to me, man, I bet you just had a really busy week. And I said, no, no, it's a pretty, pretty easy day. You know, as bishop, I'm sure this is really stressful. No, it's a pretty easy day. In fact, I took a nap today at 3 o'clock. I thought this DS was going to call an ambulance, that there was something wrong. I suppo I'm supposed to be busy, right? To be normal. Friends, when, that, when did that become normal? In fact, what the Bible tells us is, friends, you need some rest before you can actually be present with God. Where's your Sabbath? You know, Sabbath's not just, Sabbath isn't sleeping. Sabbath is, where's your quiet time? Where's your Sabbath time? Every day you need some Sabbath time. Now, I'm not a big, uh, one of our DSs uh, this summer took uh, three days and went on a silent retreat at a Catholic monastery. Now, if I took three days of a silent retreat at a Catholic monastery, you need to know something is bad gone wrong. I would kill myself, I think, if I had to do that. It's not my deal. I think your pastor could do that. 
You've done that, right? Yeah, I just can't imagine. Can you imagine me doing that? No, it's not, not going to turn out well. It's actually not going to turn out well for God. It's just going to go badly. Um, but even though I'm an outward person and I don't do that well, what I have learned in 59 years is I still need Sabbath. My Sabbath just isn't three days of silence. But I need Sabbath. Because if I don't do Sabbath, then other things start going wrong. Where's your Sabbath? By the way, this is worship. And you'll see in a moment this is important. And I'm glad you're here and you need to be here. But this isn't necessarily Sabbath time. Where's your five minutes? Where's your ten minutes of Sabbath? Where you get rest. Rest is even deeper than sleep. Did you hear me? Rest is different and deeper than sleep. If you don't find rest along the way, you will not stay connected with God. So here's some tips from John Wesley, how to, how to stay in love with God. This was his primary thing, the founder of the Methodist movement. This is really why we're called Methodists. We're not called Methodists because of the way we are organized as a denomination. We're called Methodists the way John Wesley organized the way of salvation. The way John Wesley understood one stayed connected with God. A routine that John Wesley practiced so that he could stay spiritual. And it starts out of his deep, deep conviction that Jesus' most important scripture was our, should be our most important scripture, which is Mark 12, 28. Let me read it to you. Maybe you know it. Which is the most important of all the commandments, Jesus said. This is the first thing of importance. Listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. So love the Lord your God with all of your passion, your prayer, your intelligence, and your energy. And there is a second. Do you know the second? Love the Lord God. Love your neighbors. Love others as well as you love yourself. There is no other commandment. Did you hear this? No other. Did you hear it? No other. Did you hear it? No. What was it? What is it? No other commandment. No other scripture. No other nothing. This is it. If you don't get anything else out of what it means to be a disciple, it's this. All the Bible's important, but it's not equally important. I hate it when people tell, quote me some little bit of scripture and say, this is the scripture. It is, but it's not all equally important. Because a lawyer said to Jesus, of all the scripture, it's all important. Which is most important? Even in the Bible, there's, even Jesus has said, there is a most important and there is a least important in the Bible. We need to remember that in the coming months. What was the most important? Love, I learned in a different way. Love the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Is that how you learned it? That is the most important. Love the Lord God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbors as yourself, as second. By the way, there's no second without the first. Because you can't give something away you don't have. If you can't stay spiritually connected to God, you won't help your neighbor. Here's Wesley's ideas of how to help you do this. I'd write them down. Hear the word preached. That's what you're doing today. God bless you. Thank you for doing that. Two, read the scripture for yourself. If all you do is hear people like me read the scripture to you, man, we're liable to mislead you. I wouldn't do that. You need to read it for yourself. There's no substitute to reading the Bible, and everybody tells me they read it, and nobody does. 
We all pretend we read it and nobody does. I even have a hard time reading it. Should I say that? Probably not. I have to set an alarm on my, the only good my iPhone is, it has an alarm at 7.30 every morning for me to read my Bible. It's been the best thing in the world because then it, it rings and it tells me that I have to read my Bible. Because you know what, if it doesn't do that, what I don't do? I don't read my Bible. You'd think I'd know better, wouldn't you? I have a seminary degree in Bible. And yet, if I'm not careful... I don't read my friend. You need to stay in the word. You know it's good for you. I find it good for me. And yet, but I find that I should diet too, but I don't do that. Anybody have that problem? Last time I went to the doctor, I'm gonna quit going to doctors. They have the same thing. Every doctor, even if it's a different kind of doctor. I had a finger surgery this week and he did the same thing to me. You should lose 20 pounds. What does that have to do with my finger? what I said he said well that's not the point well it's my point <laughs> you should drink no diet coke lovely now, so now I just drink water it tastes so good 24-7 <laughs> read the scripture take Holy Communion as often as you can be in daily prayer that's that Sabbath time every day where's your Sabbath participate in a class meeting which is a small group for us or a Bible study, or someplace where you are working together with other people. Have holy conversation. That's a, somebody that's helping you, somebody not just doing this. If you're trying to walk the Christian walk by yourself, here's a newsflash. It won't work. It's, you will not last. It's too hard. And finally, be in worship. Those were Wesley's things to attend to if you wanted to stay connected with God. What time am I supposed to be done? All right, good. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm the bishop, so. <laughs> that is the right answer. He's so smart. So here's Bob Farr tips for staying in love with God. Because I think this is the most important thing if anything else is to happen. Did you hear that? The most important thing is for us to stay in love with God if anything else is to happen. Else is to happen. Renew your invitation with Jesus every morning. What do I mean by that? So I did, was not, I did not grow up in a home that trained me to get up in the morning and pray first thing. We just got up in the morning and went. And by and large, it worked. But the real truth is, it works better if you get up in the morning and kneel down on the floor. And I have a short prayer now I say every morning. It's a really complicated prayer. It goes like this. Thank you. Forgive me. Come Holy Spirit. That's it. I don't add any flowers to it or I don't add any other fluff to it. I just get up every day and I pray thank you. Because you have a gift of another day. Because you never know. Forgive me. I'm confident that I messed this thing up yesterday. I mean, I sit down in the bishop's chair every day and hope, well, I hope I don't mess this up today. And come Holy Spirit, because here's what I'm confident about. I'm not good enough to do this. I need your help. That's my prayer every morning. Invite Jesus. I don't care what your prayer is, but get up in the morning and invite Jesus back in your life every morning. It's not a habit I uh, grew up with, and I've had to work at it to keep it in my life. Two, find a still moment someplace. Where's your listening post? 
I don't care if it's three minutes, five minutes, maybe you need an hour a day. Where is the, mo- where is the place where you just can sit and shut up and listen? I call it the listening post. Where's your listening post in the day? Three, put out some markers to remind you about Jesus. You know, the world would like for you to not think about Jesus. Everything in the world pushes Jesus out of our lives. Everything in the culture pushes Jesus out of the life. I mean, it, it forces us to forget that we were even in church on Sunday. So I put out some markers. Uh, this is not my idea. I got it from another pastor. So on the, where I uh, shave this beautiful face every morning in the mirror, I, uh, doesn't it look 19? I feel 19 may not be 19. Uh, I put a little sticker, sticky notes, you know what I'm talking about? Those little sticky notes. I have one on my mirror. My wife hates it, and it says on the sticky note, remember Jesus. And then I, I put a sticky note on my, my most precious item in, at my house, other than my wife. Uh, and that's the refrigerator. <laughs> you know, when people play that game about if you were to go to a deserted island, what would you take with you? You ever played that game? You know, and the right answer, of course, is the Bible. Uh, and it always fools people when I say, I'm taking the refrigerator. <laughs> now, I, I did put a Bible inside the refrigerator just to help you out. But I'm taking the refrigerator because, you know, I, I worship the refrigerator. I find myself standing in front of the refrigerator just looking at it. And I, anybody else do this? Just I know there's something in here that I need, right? Can I, can I get a witness? I mean, I was at refrigerator, I shouldn't say that, but I'm there every day. I'm at the refrigerator every day looking inside going, I know there's something in here that I should have today, and it's never the right thing. So I, and on the outside of my most precious device at home is I have a little sticky note on the refrigerator that says, but you can't help me, remember, say it with me, Jesus. Because I'm at the refrigerator every day, remember Jesus. I have a note in my car because I spend a lot of time in my car in this work I do right by the gift share right here. And it says, what's it say on the sticky note? Remember Jesus. Every time I have the car cleaned out, they throw it away. I had to put another one there at the office where uh, the Episcopal office next to the phone where I receive all the happy news that bishops receive. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but people don't usually have get up and say, you know, we had such a great day Sunday. I'll just call the bishop. And tell them how great it was. That's not the calls I get, is it, Lynn? Not at, all. not at all. Lynn's never called and told me that. She just calls me and says some news I don't want to hear. And so right beside that phone, I have a little sticky note that says what? Because if I'm not careful, the world will push Jesus right out of my life. Can I get a witness? And it's not what I intended. It's not what I want. Then I wake up at the end of the week and realize that it's pushed Jesus right out of my, right out of my life. So I, rem- I put reminders out, whatever that needs to be for you. Put reminders out about Jesus in your life. Uh, fourth, get a coach. I'm about to land the plane here. Get a coach. Get somebody that can ask you the question you need to be asked. I don't know what question you need to be asked in your life as a disciple that you need to practice better, that you need to do better, that you know if I did this, 
on a more regular basis. My life would be better off if I practiced this more often. My life would be better off, but I just don't do it. You need somebody. Wesley believed in having accountability that somebody would call you up and say, hey, have you done it? I've had a coach for 10 years. I've had the same coach as a layperson uh, from Church of the Shepherd. He called, used to call me every Wednesday at 9 o'clock, and he asked me one question. By the way, it's a question I ask him to ask. See, I don't know the question you need to be asked, but you do. You know the question you need to be asked every week, that if, if that question were asked of you, you might do that practice more. And here's my, my, for my coach. I've said to my coach, and he's done it for 10 years, it was at 9 o'clock on Wednesday mornings, he would call and say, used to be, he'd call and say, Bob, have you read your Bible? That was my question. Now, I, I learned that it was 9 o'clock on Wednesdays, and he figured out I figured that out, so I could just read on Tuesdays, and I could say yes, but then I wouldn't read on Thursday or Friday. So now he, he does it randomly because he thinks it feels worse that now he calls and says, Bishop, he thinks that feels bad. Bishop, have you read your Bible? She says, That's a, isn't that a bad question? And you know why I asked him to ask me that? Because if I'm not careful, I don't read my Bible of all things. So every week, my coach calls me sometime during the week and just asks one little question. Bishop, have you read your Bible this week? What? I don't know. That's your question. That's my question. What's your question? What's your question that somebody that you have a trusted friend that needs to call you and say, have you? You know your question. If you just try to do it by yourself, your week will just get away from you. You're not to wake up like Jacob did and say, God was in this place. I didn't even know it. Isn't that a sad confession, quite frankly? I don't want to wake up at 60 and go, I miss God. I don't want to wake up at 90 and say, I miss God. Oh, I got church. You know, you can get church and still miss God. And I, I had that happen. I buried a, a man that was about 95 and before he died, he confessed to me that for most of his life, he never was connected, even though he's in church all the time, was never felt connected to Jesus. See, that's, a, that's this, right? This is Jacob waking up and saying, God was in this place, truly, and I didn't even know it. Friends, as your bishop, there's a lot of things we can talk about, but the most important thing is, do you have Jesus? in your life and I don't want you I want you waking up going I got it I got it I figured it out Jesus was in this place by the way this place is you it's you and by the way Jesus is there whether you get it or not do you know that Jesus is there whether you figure it out or not this is not about whether Jesus is going to show up this is about whether or not we're going to wake up to Jesus. Friends, at the end of the service today, I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know where your spiritual life's at. You may be the best church person, going person there is. But my question to you is, are you in love with Jesus? 
know you may be far away right now. It may have been some time. You may be in a desert. And if you need to come up, if you need to lean in toward God today for the first time in a while, just to be a little closer, I'd invite you to do it before this service is over. It could be the most important leaning in and listening you've ever done. Because I don't want you to wake up one day and go, I missed it. I want you to know that God is truly in your place. Truly. Right now. Let me pray for you. God, I just pray for every person here that your anointing would be on us. That you would guide each of us. That you would, you would make your presence known. You would wake us up from our sleepwalk. Send your Holy Spirit and touch our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.